with another 15 minutes of news at 11 o'clock. And here's Gene Shepard. Chelsea, Oklahoma. They have closed the public schools in Chelsea, Oklahoma on account of nits. Nits. Nits are lice which take up residence in kids' hair. School nurses checking scalps in the elementary grades and in the two grades of high school found dozens of cases. School authorities prescribed a vacation and a good stiff shampoo for all of the school children of the entire, entire town. Scratching his own head thoughtfully, John Vandiver, the only druggist in town, said, I sold out my entire stock of shampoo, but we're expecting a shipment by emergency flight coming in from Oklahoma City. Lice is just crawling everywhere. Everywhere, I say. Yeah, the kids got the fleas. The kids got the lice, and now they're scratching. But the kids got the lice. The kids are scratching everything. They're scratching, scratching, scratching. Now they walk in. Yeah, bring it up. Bear missed the train. Oh, the bear missed the train. The bear missed the train. And now he's walking. Hold it. Thank you, Dick. That's what I call control of the medium. Say, friends, get set for rugged winter driving ahead during pick-a-pair time at your local General Tire headquarters. You take your pick. Winter tires start as low as thirty-seven ninety per pair, and regular tires start as low as thirty-five ninety per pair. You just take your pick. Don't delay. Mount your snow tires, or regular tires today at your local General Headquarters for tires. General Tire Headquarters. In fact, uh, your local headquarter friends, if you live out on the Jericho Turnpike in Smithtown, it's Bill Schreck, General Tire Service, eight ninety West Jericho Turnpike in Smithtown. Okay, the following little dinghy is a paid political announcement. In the middle of all the political talk, now listen to some straight talk. 
If you live in Brooklyn or Staten Island, you can elect Leonard Skolnick to the Supreme Court of New York, and that might be the best vote you ever cast. He was born and brought up in the community and knows firsthand your problems, your fears, and your aspirations for your family and yourself. Leonard Skolnick was a law secretary to the Supreme Court. He's familiar with the court. Leonard Skolnick was a special assistant district attorney. He knows that justice dispensed impartially demands the right of all citizens to be able to walk their streets freely without fear, as well as the protection of all citizens from undue and unjust arrest or prosecution. Leonard Skolnick is a young, vigorous family man on the threshold of his most productive years. He's the Democratic candidate for the Supreme Court in Brooklyn and Staten Island. This year, more than ever, justice needs all the help it can get. Elect Leonard Skolnick to the Supreme Court. And we would like to salute a lady here who did it. A little note from England. The thief hiding under Granny Jesse Sapwell's dining room table was given just one chance. You come out quietly, she ordered. The thief sat tight. How would you like to have a thief under your dining room table? The thief sat tight. He wasn't going to move, which was a little unwise. Granny Sapwell picked up a poker and belted him one right across the top of the cranium. He did not budge. So 81-year-old Jesse kicked him hard. And we quote right here, and I don't like to hear this kind of thing from a lady who's 81, but we quote where she kicked him. When asked, where did you kick him? She says, well, I kicked him, let's put it this way, right where it hurts. <laughs> Still not a murmur from under the dining room table. Uh, Granny was really riled now. She grabbed the broom and poked him, first in the left eye, then in the right eye, then uh, somewhere else. The thief decided to stay put. Finally, Jesse shouted, If you won't come out and face me, I will get the police. He didn't move. And so Jesse ran a quarter of a mile down the road to dial 999, which is the emergency number in England. And the police arrived, and he was still waiting. When uh, she got, he was afraid to come out, she said, Well, I gave him a real going over it. He's damn well afraid to come out of there now. <laughs> Fantastic scene. Wouldn't that be a great scene in, in Adam 12? Guy hiding in the hiding place. Mr. Trade. Hold it, 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 hold it. Oh, it's just a bad scene. They just, you can't, you know, have, have, I, I don't like to bring up uh, what is basically uh, something, uh, it's not unpleasant, it's just part of life. But did you know that, that, that in America today, in fact, it's a worldwide phenomenon, did you know that uh, lice, I'm talking about lice, you know, lice, lice. That lice are having a worldwide uh, tremendous uh, resurgence. For a long time, you know, lice were almost uh, almost disappeared from the scene. And very few doctors or school nurses or anybody really saw them. They were underground. And uh, during the days of the, uh, of the crew cut, I mean, it was pretty hard for a, for a you know, a good working louse to, uh, you know, to get any business going. I mean, the guy's got his hair cut down to a quarter of an inch, you know, and the sun beating down. It's a pretty tough scene for a louse. By the way, louse is the singular of lice. Or did you think this, the single was, hey, there goes a lice. No, lice is, is the plural of louse. A single, well, a single creature is called a louse. A, uh, several of them moving in unison is called a pain in the neck, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's a mad, bad, bad scene. Oh, by the way, speaking of, of mad, mad, bad, bad scenes, you know I saw that movie the other day again, that mad, 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 mad world. 
That is the most grimly unfunny movie quite probably ever made. You know? But, uh, you know, it's just uh, my problem. I, a lot of things I don't think are necessarily funny. Things that I do think are funny, people don't think are funny. Now, uh, you know, you take take the business of the lice there. Now, I'm sure that, uh, you know, that the, you don't want to hear about them. But did you know that this is a serious thing, that lice are beginning to make a fantastic comeback due to the, you know, the long hair scene. And it's it's very hip now to not wash your hair. So the combination is dynamite for the lice. I mean, they they... they they couldn't have a better scene, you know, going at all. And, you know, a guy with a hair hanging down to his hocks, and uh, he's, he hasn't washed it for, you know, seven or eight years. And uh, with that compost heap sitting on the top of your head, you're liable to have almost anything grow out of it. In fact, I'll, no, I, I'm not, uh, lice is just the smallest part of it, because, you know, lice walk out. Uh, you can get rid of a lice. But other things can grow in hair. Uh, oh, very much so. Well, no, no, no. I, I don't put anything beyond the growing powers of the great world of of, uh, of flora, not fauna, flora. And you know how she was in her best days. Tell you, she was ready any time. Old round heels flora, they called her. But nevertheless, in fact, she had shoes made with little ball bearings on the feet. Uh, it made it much quicker, you know. She's the first girl in school that had a sweater with a mattress sewed on the back. But that's, uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I don't. You know, I hate to bring up these uh, these bad scenes. So let's get to something good here, friends. If you'd like to enjoy fine French wine with your meals, but think it's too complicated and too expensive, well, you better think again. All you have to remember about French wine is one name, and you're hearing it from the chief, Alexis Lachine. Uh, they select the right wines, you know, the good ones. I mean, the real ones, reds, whites, rosés, and all these fantastic wines are poured at the beautiful bottles, which are just going to make your table over in the East Bronx sing, that elegant table that you set. So you remember the name, Alexis Lachine, the beautiful French wine, in the beautiful bottle at a beautiful price. You will enjoy quality without confusion, elegance without expense. Alexis Lachine is imported by Bass Charrington Vintners. Would you please sing into my ear, please? Alexis Lachine, Alexis Lachine. <laughs> that has a certain style. Oh, Alexis Lachine. Alexis Lachine. Alexis Lachine. That's nice. That'll bring a little, uh, bring a little culture to Queens. Alexis Lachine. But, uh, you know, you talk about the lice. They are really moving. And uh, when I heard about that story, the lice, I remember one time. Uh, did you ever actually see any lice in here? Well, there are those of us who have. And uh, once you have, you'll never quite forget it. Nothing looks exactly the same after that because, you know, hair is considered a beautiful thing. You know, I tell me, we've got a real hair, sh real hair hang-up, a fetish. You know, a little fetish. You know, I like fetish with a little Parmesan cheese on it. It's done, you know, if it's overcooked, it gets a little too soft. But uh, a fetishini is, is the multiple of it. But uh, you take a little fetish like a hair, which we've got in our time, uh, every major society in the period of its decline develops fetishes or fetishi or fetishini. It depends on the language you speak. Uh, it's indeedy more. And, uh, <laughs> hey, if you notice that I'm, I'm, I'm really very, uh, very sarcastic tonight, what is it with me here? But every major society, when it's in the period of its decline, uh, experiences physical fetishes. 
Uh, for example, the uh, Chinese, uh, when the great uh, dynasties of China were falling into a decline, they began to have a foot fetish. Yes, they did. They had a foot fetish. And the people talked about feet constantly in China, and they bound them, and, and the foot was considered a, a very, very important uh, part of a person's beauty. And so if a chick could have a foot that was like, you know, two and a half inches long, that was considered a fantastic foot. And they even got to the point where they had to carry them around. So they couldn't walk on their feet. You know, they bound the feet and all that. That was supposed to be beautiful. Yes, that's what it was done for. Not religion. It was uh, beauty. And so uh, it even got to the point where they had to carry them around. They couldn't walk anymore, see. And, uh, and that was the Chinese way. That was when they were in the decline. Of course, now there's a whole new ball game and it's a whole new resurgence of stuff. So the Chinese went through a period of decline when their civilization became very old and, uh, you know, tired, and they began to look around for things that were groovy, and they decided on the, uh, the foot. And uh, nobody else has done that, and uh, it sets the Chinese apart. Now, the French, when they were in decline, they had a fetish, too. And uh, their fetish was clothing. Uh, did you know that they went through a thing just before the great French Revolution where clothing became a national religion? We got a little of that going, too. But uh, it became a national religion, and people spoke endlessly of, of clothes. And they wrote books on clothes. And it even got to the point where entire uh, heavy buckram-bound volumes were, were written, and they, they still exist, on the exact placement of a, of a button on a gentleman's sleeve. The exact placement. Now, you, you wouldn't think a guy could write a whole book on that, but if you got a fetish going, you can <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's a fetish, see? Well, now we're in the middle of a hair fetish, where uh, the hair has become a major issue of uh, beauty, and it even if it even sets your your attitude and your social standards and everything else. You know, if you if you want to really put a guy down, you say uh, Charlie Brown, uh, diehard crew cut quarterback. Well, that, you know, that's a put down of the worst quality. You know, you, it's really laying it down. Uh, they don't say anything about how good his arm is or or, uh, you know, whether he really calls a good play there on the third down. It's because he wears a crew cut, which automatically says something about Charlie. You know, he's, he's deep in the slob world, which, uh, oh, yeah, this is W.O.R. Uh, New York. <laughs> uh, George. Now, that's in your own mind. Uh, it's not in mine. It's in your own mind, friend. In your own. It's, uh, it's your mind. It's in your mind. Your mind. Hit it. Okay, guys. That's it. Set up the drums next to the water cooler. Okay, what gang. is all this? Yeah. The Red Baron of Lufthansa hey, German Airlines. Right don't there. like all you kids bursting Come into on, his Red. office. Yeah. Just tell the Baron that the world's hottest rock group is here. Yeah. We're going to play a number to thank him okay, for his Okay, Baron. Got your hearing aid out. Let's go. A guy okay. or a chick can fly Lufthansa across the Atlantic for only $210 round trip without taking anything stronger than an extra pair all of right, socks. All right. Get that over here. people between 12 and 26 may fly Lufthansa any day to Germany for only $210 round uh, plug in that electric car. Right, here we go. You can even fly on a weekend. Come on, right? Baron, sit up, will you? For God's Although sakes. between June 20th and July 25th, I know you were shot it is a few down, dollars more. Fine. That's when the tourists fly. It's worth it just for the laughs. But we don't need music to sell the helmet off, Baron. You won't hear nothing through that hat. Red Hot Baron's Youth Fair. A one, a two. Here we go. Hit it. All right, Baron. Oh, fantastic. Got her dumb along. Right again, Sam. <laughs> it's symbolic that they play something that sounds like it's right out of Gotterdammerung, like Wagner following the Red Baron. 
For those of you that are historically minded, you'll know what I'm talking about. For the rest of you, the back of my hand. Uh, we have, again, uh, as is so often the case, General Tire here. Take your pick, gang. Uh, winter tires. Get out there and pick up some winter tires. They have these big knobby cleats on them. They're just great. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys uh, measure their own social status by the, the design of the tread they lay down when they run over their friend. And uh, you get you get yourself a nice track, man, with these beautiful winter cleats. Go in snow, or general pays the toe. Dum ba dum pump. In uh, Greenwich, see Lou Glasso State Line Tire, four sixty eight West Putnam. Lou Glasso, and you talk softly to Lou. He's got good friends, man, and they is powerful. Now, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't want to. Imply that. Hey, you know, speaking speaking of cars, you mean it's time for the auto show again? Again, that, that auto show keeps coming round and round and round. They're always putting on an auto show. Uh, here's the latest one, please. 73, 73, 73. See the 1973 cars, hundreds of them all under one roof at the Greater New York Automobile Show and the New York Coliseum. The most impressive showing of brand new U.S. models ever assembled. Exciting imports, too, at the supermarket of the auto world. See, compare, and price the newest things on wheels. After you eye them, buy them at the show or your dealer's showroom. Bring the family for a carload of fun and excitement at the Greater New York Automobile Show, New York Coliseum, now through November. November 12th. Mm, yes, November 12th. Is there a uh, tag after that, please? No, no, no tag. Uh, der Tag. Ah, oh, excuse me, that was a Red Baron spa. We got that one. Yeah. As I said, uh, anybody who's ever seen lice in action, uh, you, uh, you never quite forget it. It changes the whole picture. The whole picture. And I'm, a, I'm just going to tell you an honest story about, about the, that. I'm just going to lay it out. I mean, I, I know a lot of you come from very nice homes. You've never seen any of this kind of stuff. But let me put it, put it this way. The, uh, the little humble louse does not know social barriers. He is not conscious of the fact that your old man is a vice president of the Midland National Bank. No way. All he knows is you've got a great big juicy head there, and he's ready to bite into it. Yeah, he chomps away. So I, I'm, I'm squatting one day, uh, happily uh, whiling away my time and, uh, you know, paying my dues in fourth grade. And uh, Miss Robinette is up there blatting away. And uh, the, the chalk is squeaking its way through, uh, through lower education. And uh, I'm sitting in the back of the room there. And the, the sun is coming in through the uh, Venetian blinds. You know, this is very thing. And I've never forgotten this scene. There are only about five or six scenes in my, you know, just like anybody else, uh, whoever you are, there's about five or six graphic scenes in your life, uh, in your early life, that you remember absolutely clearly due to, due to the traumatic, uh, <laughs> due to the uh, traumatic overtones. So anyway, I'm, I'm sitting there. And you remember, I'm back in the S's. Now, that's uh, way back in the back of the room. And I'm sitting in the, in the S department there, me and Schwartz, and, and uh, Helen Weathers was back there, and, and uh, we had a guy named Scott Simonson who was back there. Oh, mean. Scott Simonson, he was, uh, he was the Adolf Eichmann of the S's. And, uh, yeah, Scott, Scott would just, uh, every once in a while, uh, Scott Simonson sitting in the back there to make sure he kept his, uh, his minions under control. Just uh, at random, his foot would come out and just kick you across the aisle. You know, wham, you'd get a shot in the ribs, you know. Meaning uh, 
sit still. Any smart stuff from you, you're going to get it in a recess. So uh, we're sitting in the back there, and uh, just like any other day, things are calm, and Miss Robinette's up there in the front going, hoo 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 and uh, the, the chalk is going, ee, 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 ee. And, you know, you know how it is. It's after lunch, and you're kind of feeling, I, I had a gut full of Twinkies and salami sandwiches and, and uh, Pepsi-Cola and all the rest of the good stuff that... Uh, that goes into the growing of an American, you know. I, I suspect that almost any one of us... Uh, you know, I wonder whether scientists have made any investigation as to whether or not cola bean forms a uh, deposit in the marrow of the bones so that, uh, you know, 2,000 years from now, when they discover our uh, our ossified remains and, they're you know, they're running them through the carbon-14, they discover this strange uh, uh, unknown element and uh, after a lot of uh, hocus-pocus and pouring stuff in the, in, the, in the little jugs and titration, you know, all that stuff they do in the chem labs, somebody said, but I cannot believe it. This is, a, this is the derivative of the cola bean, which comes from Central America. And it will be known as the cola culture uh, from that day on, see, uh, because of the deposit found in all, all uh, skeletons of this particular littoral, which will be, of course, the entire North American continent. And uh, during one certain period in history. So we used to go out and you know, drink the Pepsi. There were several ways of drinking Pepsi at the time. One of the best ways was to take the big 12-ounce bottle, you know, put your thumb over the top and shake it up and squirt it at Schwartz. Uh, this was always good for a laugh. And uh, <laughs> That's right, you know, all over the place. And then Schwartz would have the grape. He had, he had knee-high grape, which he would shake up and squirt on you. And then somebody would squirt his dad's old-fashioned root beer on all three of you. And uh, then you'd wind up sitting there late in the afternoon. It's all starting to ferment. You know, it's all over your shirt and all that, and you're smelling. And, uh, you know, the Twinkies are beginning to pop. And we used to drink uh, Pepsi-Cola and wash down banana Twinkies with it. It's a great combination. just fantastic. And uh, Schwartz, uh, uh, he used to have a strange sandwich that he would bring in his lunch. Now, I'm just telling you an actual sandwich this guy used to, to bring in his lunch. You think I'm inventing it? It's a fact. And there are other people who eat this. Don't ask me why. You take bread, you know, like white bread, and you put peanut butter on it, at which point then you slice bananas on that, right? But then you put over it Heinz's hot ketchup. Now, I'm telling you, Schwartz loved it. Now, don't you look this disbelieving. It's the truth. He loved it. So you mix that with the Twinkies and the Pepsi-Cola. You have a heady mixture. And uh, so Schwartz is sitting there just, you know, exuding... And uh, old Scott Simonson is kicking me once in a while, and everything's going cool. And about three or four weeks prior to this this particular traumatic event, a, a, a historic milestone had occurred in our class. A new girl had come into the class, which is always the sign for uh, great excitement among the males. You agree with that? And her name was, well, for one of a, I, I will I will change it slightly. She may be out there listening. Her name was Dolores Smith. She was in the S's. Right? That was not her real name. But it's close enough for jazz. She is sitting directly ahead of me. And there wasn't a kid in the class who was not out of his bird about this chick. She had replaced the previous star of our class. And uh, there, there, there was a little bitterness about it. Uh, uh, every class has one girl that is the leading chick. 
the leading spectacular chick. Up to this point, Patty Romaley had been the unquestioned, unbelievable sex bomb of Miss Robinette's fourth grade class. She was fit. She, you know, even now, when I think of Patty Romaley, I start to sweat. She just, you know, she just, unbelievable. She really was. And she continued to be that way. That's what, what uh, you know, sometimes is so maddening. Talent sometimes shows itself very early. Often it shows itself very late. Most often it never shows itself. <laughs> but uh, Patty Romaley, from about the third grade on, she was the leading, uh, I mean, just incredible. And by the time Patty Romaley was in high school, there would be formation squadrons of guys, you know, accompanying her uh, with their tongues hanging out, with sweat on their noses. I mean, you know, looking real nervous and they're, they're, they're talking real soft to her and all that. Patty Romaley, just so unbelievable. But she was replaced, if you can imagine, by Dolores Smith. Dolores Smith walked indeed upon clouds of beauty and glory. When she drifted into that class, you just knew that, that well, you just know, you know, you just, somehow, it was out. She, she, first of all, she had a cool, icy quality, which was quite the opposite of Patty Romaley. Uh, Patty Romaley was uh, like, let's let's put it this way, Patty Romaley was in a way the quintessence. It, she would have been loved by Rune Arledge. You know how during the football games when they're broadcasting, they always pick up this fantastic chick on the sidelines with the little white thing, you know, with the sweater, doing the things, with the chair. Well, Patty Romaley, believe me, would have replaced the Arkansas-Oklahoma game any day of the week. She was the epitome of drum majorism. She, I mean, she was round in the right places. You know the kind that's round? You know, some bulge. This one was round. It was just a, and even in fourth grade, I mean, you, you just knew it. There was a stirring, an awakening among, among uh, you know, the males when Patty Romaney came in. But Patty Romaney bounced in. You know, Patty just exuded that. She, you know, she had dimples where there shouldn't be dimples. You know, that kind of thing. Dolores Smith was the entire other end of the scale. Dolores Smith was cool like Diana of the hunt. Even in fourth grade, she was chiseled, alabaster. The, the, you know, the, the kind of cheekbones that you could cut your hand on. She had cool, ice blue-gray eyes. And she just was so much on top of it. That was the word, on top of it. Now, I'll tell you, the reason, really, the, there are many reasons. Uh, one of the main reasons was she came from Chicago. Well, you know, Chicago. That's the big time. We were squatting out there in Hammond, Indiana. You know, this is, this is a, you know, Hammond, Indiana. The biggest thing in town is the Bull Durham sign. You know? <laughs> Yeah, people were, yeah, there was a big uproar in town about the Bull Durham sign. They put a Bull Durham sign up on the outside of, you're just right by the city limits, you know, where they, where they had all the signs that says Rotary Club meets on Wednesday. You've seen those things, resume speed and all that stuff. Well, there was a gigantic Bull Durham sign. <laughs> and, and what was worse, this Bull Durham sign was exceedingly realistic. Now, I do not have to draw graphic pictures to you, do I? I mean, uh, this Bull Durham, he was fully equipped. I mean, let's put it even this way. He was rampantly fully equipped. Aggressively. And next to him, there was a fence. 
And underneath it was the slogan of the Bull Durham Company, or at least of the Bull Durham Bull. It said, Her Hero. Well, I just want to tell you, I'm not inventing it. I just want to tell you, there was a hell of a furor over that. I want to tell you this. And, of course, there were thunderous orations from the pulpits. And all the kids, about 12 million kids, would go down there every day and look at this thing. It was fantastic. And on this giant bull, looking at it. And, man, he was on top of it. He just, you know... Well, uh, one thing led to the next, and they wound up by painting bricks in the fence. So now he's looking over the top of a fence, and all you saw, you know, oh, you know, it's bad news. There's always uh, sore heads in every crowd. Uh, George, there's always killjoys. Like you, Jerry, waving your hand about, I need a commercial. So, all right, I'll put another one in there. How would you like a, uh, how about a Gramercy clothes commercial? Would you like that? That's pretty good. Uh, I mean, uh, I got your mind on Bull Durham here. You want to show off that magnificent male torso of yours to the, you know, to the best advantage. I would suggest you go down to Gramercy Park Clothes of 64 West 23rd Street, New York. Their quote is, Mr., if you hate to go shopping but need clothes, find out about Gramercy Park. That's not a very bright saying, but that's the best they can do at this time. And uh, it's, they mean well. It's Gramercy Park. And uh, they're open every day. They're open till 7 p.m., uh, Saturday to 6, Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So any day of the week you can go down there. Gramercy Park closed at 64 West 23rd Street, and you'll save dough there, too. Third floor, uh, that's uh, 64 West 23rd Street in New York, of course. Well, Dolores Smith entered our lives like a silver bullet. And uh, she, she it was aloof. That was another thing about Dolores. Dolores was aloof. Uh, you know, when everybody's out on the playground, you know, doing that stuff, you know, pum, pum, pull away and all that jazz and running around hitting each other and tearing other guys' uh, uh, sheepskin coats. You know, the usual stuff that's going on out in the playground, you know, looking at dirty books and stuff, uh, which we did a qu- a quite a bit. You know, it is believed by uh, fond believers that pornography is a new thing. <laughs> How far can one get from the truth? How far can one stray from the path of fidelity to true history? Pornography is a new thing. Why, I learned to read with those little blue books with Maggie and Jigs in them. I learned to read. That's the, that's the first motivation I ever had to actually read up to that point. You know, who can get interested in the, you know, uh, Raggedy Ann or Raggedy Andy, this stuff? I mean, uh, the minute that stuff started to circulate around the playground, man, guys started to learn real quick how to read because you want to know what they were saying. You know, little balloons coming out of their mouths with those unbelievable pictures. So that was the real motivation. I suspect that's the way you could get kids to read in fourth grade. Start handing out some porny literature, you know. <laughs> oh, wow, when they learn to read fast. <laughs> motivation is all, friends. I mean, no kid's going to learn how to read because he's reading a book called A Day with Your Fireman. Oh, come on. You know, like uh, go around town with the postman. That's about as dull, you know, as taking a walk to the A&P. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we, we'd learned to read, see. So uh, the word was out, you know, that, uh, that, that this girl was, you know, fantastic. And she would just stand over. She would, We'd go out for recess. And, of course, you know, we all would, you know, take recess. A recess is a whole big thing. And we'd run around, yell, holler, and do all that stuff. You know what kids do. She was above recess. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Can you imagine a graduate school at NYU? You say, oh, it's time for recess, kids. Go on out. Forget it. Well, she was already in that, that, that rarefied atmosphere. And so 
Dolores would look vaguely pained, recess, and she would stand over by the steps and commune with whatever it is that beautiful girls commune with. Which is, you know, another thing. You know, you know how it is, Nick. You and I, you, we've gone out with some pretty good-looking chicks, and you know that they seem to commune with something else other than us, don't they? They're kind of relate. Yes, that's true. They're kind of related to something else. I don't know quite what it is, but uh, that was Dolores. Well, that was a whole new ball game in the Warren G. Harding School. You know, <laughs> we're not quite used to that kind of a scene. Well, anyway, now the important part of this story is that she was an S. Now, up to that time. Everybody in the S's had been kind of schlumpy. You know, there was Simonson and Helen Weathers was sitting back there squatting with the S's, and at the at the poor old Chester Wisniewski, he was right behind Helen. You know, and Schwartz Schwartz was only two feet six inches tall. You know, at that point, he weighed uh, two hundred and twenty. And uh, you know, behind us was Zinsmeister. Zinsmeister, you know, he used to fade into the wallpaper. You know, just sit back there. He 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 could disguise himself. He became a comedian. He could look like a Venetian blind, and uh, you know, no Miss Robinette can't call on a Venetian blind. You know, and he could do everything, everything to be invisible. He remains even that way today. But Dolores Smith would come back to the S's like an entire moving float in a in a rose bowl day parade. She was a living, walking float. My God, silence would fall. Even Simonson, you know, stopped kicking people for once. He'd sit back there, you know. Well, anyway, she sat directly in front of me. Directly in front of me. Right in front of me. And she had, I don't know how to express it, she even smelled great. Uh, you, you've always, you probably recognize this phenomenon too, haven't you, Nick? That there's something about beautiful girls that runs all the way through. She just had a sort of a, uh, a smell of verdant hay cut, uh, you know, at the in the bud of its life. Uh, she smells like moonbeams laced with sun, dappling ancient streams of crystal clear water. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> Shepard, you're getting carried away. Well, there she was. She just, you know. Most of us had a kind of a gamey aroma, you know, composed of, uh, you know, of uh, two years of eating uh, Yankee doodles and washing it down with Pepsi-Cola and root beer. And that kind of produces a different smell around a person. Not Dolores Smith. Well, one day, I, there wasn't one kid in the class that was not totally you know, ape over Dolores. But none of us could quite approach her. It was rumored that she was going with someone in Princeton. Nobody in the class knew what the hell Princeton was. But it was some place called Princeton. We figured it was in Chicago. Well, you know, she's in fourth grade. And uh, she was very, let's put it this way, uh, precocious. And Patty Romaney was bucked. I mean, so was Helen. Uh, well, they all were. Eileen Akers became morose. Eileen Akers had been deposed about the latter days of 2B. Uh, she was pretty good for the first couple of grades. Uh, yeah, it's terrible to shoot your wad in 1B. And it's, uh, you know, it's all over from that time on. Downhill, you know, and you, keep, you just keep fighting to keep your head above water from that day on. But Eileen Akers was that kind. For some reason, there was a great Eileen Akers vogue 
in first grade and early second, and she quickly disappeared because she, she suddenly, her eyes went bad, and she got very thick glasses. And then the braces came on, and after that, you know, forget it. You could hear the wind howling through her braces out on the playground, and that, that ended that, you know. Well, we're sitting out there with this, this, this historic moment in the war in G. Harding. Well, this is when Shepard became different, you know. This is a, uh, you, you have these moments. I, I noticed uh, friends of mine who have never gone through these traumatic moments, they really believe in Raquel Welch. They really figure if they, if they could meet Sophia Loren, their life would become complete, you know, everything would work. You know, well, maybe it was my, my terrible moment with uh, Dolores Smith. I'm sitting in class on this historic day. I'm feeling kind of nice and warm. I've had a couple of Twinkies. I've had my Pepsi-Cola, and, and the Simonson hasn't hit me, and uh, everything is kind of cool back there. And Dolores is sitting directly ahead of me. Now, Dolores was a magnificent ash blonde. Her hair was like spun silver, and it floated. And I could see the sun coming down through the Venetian blinds to my left. And sitting directly ahead of me is Dolores Smith, exuding that strange aroma of sexuality. I didn't quite know what it was at that time, but all I know is it made me sweat all over. My socks were itching. Just sitting there. The sun is bathing both of us in that, that, that beam of... When you know the word for sun in several languages, relates to life itself, vita, vitae, the force of life. And I could feel life charging through my gut like, like, a, well, you know, like the sluice gates of passion have been opened. And you feel funny about it because, you know, you know, you know the first time you felt that way about a chick, you know, you don't know what it is. You, you, you think you're sick or something. And I look over and I can see Schwartz. He's, he's, his rapt face is, is gray with, with passion. The same thing is happening to him. And I'm looking at Dolores. And her hair is just floating down. It was long. It came down to her shoulder blades. The sun is just trickling through it. And I got the impression that her hair was alive. It was beautiful. It seemed to float and move. I just watched her, just soaking it in, absorbing this, this vision of beauty. But then something fell on my desk. I looked down. It is slowly traveling from east to west. It's about the size of a pinhead. I look at it. I look very close at it. At first, I thought it was, you know, some kind of piece of dust or something. It is moving. Look at that little son of a gun. What is it? It's got little feelers. I look up again to see where it had come from. And I see several of them. In a long line, they appear to be carrying small hods of bricks. They're building a home or something. They're moving up and down the glorious ash blonde tresses of Dolores Smith. Then it hit me. I had never seen them in my life. We had gone through 
endless examinations in nurse office. You know, they look at your hair and all that. Dolores Smith has got lice. Dolores Smith has got lice. Well, friends, nothing was the same. I can't quite explain what it did to me. First of all, I thought I was kind of groovy. But then, you know, I don't know, you know, it, it, it changed everything. Dolores Smith had bugs in her hair. Please, the kids got the lice. The kids got the lice. The kids got the lice, and now he's scratching. Oh, singing out, gang. A little kazoo. Dick. <laughs> that may be, friends, a sickening story, but it also happens to be a true one. Yes, the gods have feet of clay. The gods have feet of clay. Well, from that day on, you know, I just... Uh, Shepard has never turned back. I bravely persist. That's right, bravely persist. In fact, I'm going to persist in giving you another general tire. I know that you can hardly wait, but I'd like to suggest that you get set for rugged winter driving ahead when you're taking your own Dolores Smith out during pick-a-pair time at your local general tire headquarters. <laughs> Take your pick, friends. See the Dolores and new tires. Winter tires start as low as thirty-seven ninety per pair, and that's a hell of a lot cheaper than the Dolores. Thank God. Hey, have you ever looked back on your life and thought about all the money you've spent on chicks you wouldn't even recognize today? You could own an island off the coast of uh, probably Jamaica just with the with the interest on it alone, not even touch the capital. But nevertheless, you get down to uh, your local General Tire headquarters, look for the big red G, and uh, buy some of those lovely snow tires. You'll like them. They work fine down there in the Bahamas. And uh, remember the uh, slogan of the General Tire people, you go in snow or General pays the toll. They pick it up. Let's see, who are we going to plug here this time? Yeah, in Newark, ask for Big Ben Robinson. Big Ben, you can tell him. He's the guy with a cigar. At General Tire Service, it's the one that explodes at 857 Freelinghuysen Avenue in Newark. Oh, the bear missed the train. bear missed the train, and now he's scratching. I'm just sorry that I had to do this to you night like this. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not here to explode your most cherished dreams. But I'll tell you this. Later close investigation proved that Eileen Akers did not have them. That was a very close laboratory inspection. She had thick glasses and she had uh, braces on her teeth, but she did not have lice. And she had a willing spirit. And that'll go a long way. <laughs> Yeah, Dolores Smith faded out of our life about two weeks later. Her old man got transferred to some exotic place like San Francisco. And I guess she carried the scourge out there. But she remains forever enshrined in my heart of unforgettable beauties I have known. 
to the Madame Pompadour of the Warren G. Harding School. Yes, keep your powder dry, friends. Gee, I saw a guy mad running around here so bugged the other day in the sales department. I said, what's the matter, Bob? He said, I forgot my hairspray. Times there are changing. It's blowing in the wind. Whatever happened to... That reminds me, whatever happened to Bob Dylan, by the way? I see. You know, I always had a vague feeling that Bob Dylan was Tiny Tim. I can't figure out... Oh, well. Oh, you're singing good tonight, Brad. Well, sir, this is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith. He's got the news. This is the news in detail on the hour from the WOR Newsroom. A final Gallup poll on the presidential election puts President Nixon ahead of Senator George McGovern by 61 to 35 percent. That poll was taken from last Thursday through Saturday. The Gallup organization used the word landslide. President Nixon made a brief election eve appearance on television tonight. His speech ran only 13 paragraphs and dealt mainly with the Vietnam War. And he said... As you know, we have made a breakthrough in the negotiations which will lead to peace in Vietnam. We have agreed that there will be a ceasefire. We have agreed that all of our prisoners of war will be returned, and the missing in action will be accounted for. And we have agreed that the people of South Vietnam will determine their own future and not have a communist government or a coalition government opposed upon them against their will. There are some details that we are insisting still be worked out, we insist because we want to be sure that this will be not simply a temporary peace, but a peace that will last. And he added, I'm completely confident that we will soon reach an agreement which will end the war in Vietnam. If landslide is the going word, you can't sell it to Senator McGovern. All day, wherever he campaigned, and he covered four states from New York to California, he used the same expression, I think we are going to prevail. In all his speeches today, McGovern emphasized four points. An end to the war, an end to inflation, a job for every worker, and a better tax break for the average citizen. Here in New York, the polls open at 6 a.m., will close at 9 p.m. In New Jersey, the voting hours, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. WR Radio will start its continuous election coverage at 8 p.m. and will provide returns continuously until all of the major contests are decided on all levels. National, state, and local. Vice presidential candidates Spiro Agnew and Sergeant Shriver had their final campaign says today. Agnew called McGovern a flip-flop candidate and terms this campaign a disaster. As for Shriver, he said, President...